We would like to advise that the following program may contain adult themes, occasional nudity, and language that may offend some listeners. Thank God it's... Welcome to Studio 222 at the ABC in Ultimo for another COVID-safe edition of Thank God It's Friday. Even though we're here in Sydney, I can tell you, courtesy of Megan on the text, that it is snowing in Blaney. So it's been snowing for half an hour. These wild winds are coming through, but we are comfortable here listening to Tommy Dean, Gretel Clean and Carla Ritchie. Yay! Yay! We're not that comfortable, Richard. So there's no audience. You have to clap yourself, Carlo. Right? There's hundreds <laughs> of thousands here, Richard. Look at this huge audience we have, all socially distanced in this stadium venue. Yeah, yeah. They're Richard, very quiet, what, aren't they? <laughs> why are you forcing us to stand up? Because I think you'll be good if you stand up. I think the, the larynx will be free, the diaphragm will be active. You'll be, you know... Huh. I like well, it because uh, for those that don't know, we're on like a big, long, like it looks like a spaceship. And it sits up at about chest level, but you can recline on it like you're at the edge of a grand piano. <laughs> yeah, just I think it's like a talking to a cocktail party. That's yeah, how yeah, I yeah. imagine the whole thing. Look at how leaned in I am. And as soon as I lean in, my voice goes lower. Yeah, I know. I feel like you're trying to pick us all up. I am. I'm, oh. at, a, I'm at a swingers '70s party <laughs> in the grand piano. Richard is mixing us up, Martin. I'm, I'm you are dressed like huh? that, yeah. actually. I've put my keys in the bowl, and I'm just not understanding why does nobody else have because keys in the, the bowl? key fob says that you're driving a Toyota. <laughs> what? You know? Oh, I really got to get that branding off. <laughs> Let me ask you this question: Finally, the long car trip is again possible. This school holidays, parents will once more be able to pile the kids into the car and drive non-stop for the 15 hours to Adelaide. What are your memories of the long family car trip and what are its essential components? Carlo Ritchie. Well, I mean, uh, uh, growing up in Glen Innes, basically any service other than Glen Innes's want. So if you want to go to a commercial cinema, for example, that would be a road trip in itself. You know, I wanted to go busking one time and that would... That required an hour drive. So, you know, really putting in the hours for uh, busking. How far did you have to travel before you were willing to have, before you could find someone who would put 20 cents in your hat? Oh, good long way. That's how I moved to Sydney, actually. Yeah. Um, I just thought, oh, you know, I'll stay here. But can I just ask, Carlo, because you're younger than the rest of us, did your car have air conditioning? Because if it did, it doesn't count. When we were growing up, we had, my mum had an EK Holden. Um, okay. So we used to, to cool that car down, my memories of that is we would wet towels and then you'd hang them up in the windows <laughs> and just hope desperately. This is like a Kilgardie fridge, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so exactly the same principle. Um, we'd have meat chilling beside us. You know. <laughs> the family road trip was very much a pantry on wheels. Didn't I, did you have siblings in the car fighting with each other? Just me and my sister. We used to do like a lot of, uh, you know, word games. Or you'd, you'd, my favourite game was you'd take the licence plate of the car in front of you and you would try and make a phrase from it, you know, like if it was... I don't know, X, why did I start with X? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there we go. You know, like X, Ted, T-S, and you'd go something like, oh, xylophones ting softly or whatever, <laughs> you know, and every, the best phrase would then get to... That is to such run. a posh childhood. <laughs> We used oh, the... look at us. We had our licence plates. <laughs> <laughs> because the game we used to play was I Spy, of yes. course. Everyone played I Spy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and count the dead marsupials. <laughs> that, that was it, wasn't it? That was the only spot. We had no air conditioning, no seatbelts. 
Do you remember that little seat in the back of the, and we used to call it the dicky seat where you could sit higher, basically, I think it's nowadays called an armrest. Or called a launching pad yeah. in case of accident. <laughs> that was exactly it. No air conditioning. And I can remember we, we'd go for these drives. Everything just took so much longer, so much longer. I remember once we were driving to Yamba and there was still, of course, congestion and, and the whole shebang. And we were lured by the fact that we should keep breathing, stay alive, kids, because we're going to end up and get a can of Fanta. Mm -hmm. Oh, God. And we did get one can of Fanta, and there were four kids, and we all shared that one can of Fanta. Now, you tell that to kids today. But, you know, the interesting thing is, I think, oh, and the cricket was on the radio, so Mm. that means, of course, I can never listen to it without feeling car sick now. But Mm. the interesting (laughs) thing is when we look at all these kids with devices, and I know we do say, oh, the olden days were better, we do have memories if you're just staring at a screen, as suffering as we were, it's a memory. Mm. And we Did you fight with the siblings? Constantly. Absolutely constantly. My mother would be in a bad mood. My father would be in a bad mood. Everyone would be in a bad mood. The people sitting next to the window would get mm-hmm. sunburnt. There were and, and, and was your father one of those people who insisted on driving nonstop as if reaching Maruchi door by 2 o'clock was the most important task in the world, even if you had to start out from <laughs> Sydney at 4am. Everyone left at 4am, so you were basically in peak hour mm. from 4.30. Do you know about this, Carl? This is a city thing, but we, we all left. We all left at 5.30 to escape, the, to avoid the traffic. But oh. since everyone left at 5.30 yeah. to avoid the traffic, as soon as you got to the very end of your suburban street, there'd be this huge traffic jam. <laughs> yeah, we, we would leave at 5.30 to avoid the cows. You know, that was, um, that was, that was big happy hour time for the where cattle. Where did you go on your holidays? We used to go, Yamba is sort yep. of little Glen Innes. Yep. Um, you know, it has the Glen Innes district and uh, Glen Innes cultural foods and things. Um, <laughs> so you go and have holidays with people from Glen. Yeah, exactly, yeah. We'd, we'd like to go to the coast, but we'd prefer it if we knew everybody there. <laughs> yeah. My rallies were Grafton, so they did the same thing. Oh, yeah, yeah right, exactly, yeah. yeah. So what is the authentic, uh, you know, what's the authentic Glen Tucker to have at Yamba? Oh, you know, haggis or something. Haggis <laughs> and chips. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I... Um, Maybe strawberries, I guess. You know, you go down to Yamba, you take some Glen Innes strawberries, you have them on the beach. So you could have the foods from home with a different vista. This is good. Tommy Dean, is this a thing that you've experienced? Oh, absolutely. I was a little bit uh, shocked that Gretel was calling out Carlos for uh, (laughs) poshness and then she was quoting her brand name soda pops that she got to enjoy. Fanta. Fanta. Yeah, it was Fanta. We had. And I still remember it. One Royal Cola. (laughs) (laughs) Is that the no frills of Cola? It was super no frills. It was was the no frills you had when no frills wasn't available. (laughs) My grandfather, hilariously, had this, uh, his favorite novelty thing was a, it was at the time they were just converting things to plug into the cigarette lighter and use that yeah, electricity. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And it was a fan. And that was what wow. he called air conditioning. <laughs> and then he wouldn't let you roll the windows down. I've got the air conditioning on. But it's only on him. It's only on him. Like the fan you hold in your hand, yeah. sitting on the dashboard like some sort of fan Jesus, just waving back and forth. And when you're, <laughs> in, you're in the back with a Swedish sauna. We have four boys in our family. So my four boys, my mom plus granddad, yeah, oh, it was in a, a station wagon. So the the ultimate seat was in the bed of the station yeah. wagon in the back, where you didn't have a seat, but you could actually stretch out. Everybody else was stuck four across in the back seat. That was hell. That's what you want. Windows couldn't go down. 
air conditioning was going nowhere. <laughs> and my grandfather, quite famously, um, only got road tickets. He got tickets from the police for never going fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the other thing we left out. Blinking your your lights at other people—that was fun. That was to, entertaining. To tell them that the police were ahead. Oh, yeah. Look at old posh Gretel here with her lights on her cars. <laughs> we blinked. Yeah, we'd be lighting the candles, and I'd be walking out in front of the sulky. <laughs> but my where we live, we, we live in a small farm town. This was when I was a kid, kid, so we were in this farm town in Maryland, and my cousin was the sheriff. Handy. And my other cousin was his deputy. So. <laughs> and then, sure enough, you'd be out with Granddad, and then he would like the lights would go on in the back. Well, Michael wants to have a chat. <laughs> He's probably going to tell me to speed up again. <laughs> and sure enough, he'd get in there. Granddad, I've been telling you the speed limit is fifty-five. You got to do at least forty. How slow would you, you go? You can't do twenty. He's doing twenty-five <laughs> miles an hour in a fifty-mile-an-hour country road. It caused a lot of trouble. When you got passed by <laughs> tractors that were doing edge mowing <laughs> with a six-foot cut bar hanging off the side of a tractor, that goes past you. <laughs> Granddad, step on it. You okay, another, another feature of the Australian uh, uh, holiday was the, and this was not in all cases, because some fathers just wanted to drive there and they would not. You couldn't stay, you know, if you wanted to wee, do it out the window. Who cares? They've got to get there. Yeah. But there are other fathers who would go for the educational side trip to the local museum where you could see local uh, old broken down ploughs and jam jars mm. that have been dug up in fields. Others would go to the third biggest tree or the fifth biggest blowhole. You know, did you have that in America? Yeah, well, my grandfather was a road builder. He, he changed all the roads that we drove towards the shore for our ocean holiday. Is so that, we, is that time, why he went so slowly? Yeah, because like he, he had to tell well, this road used to go up time. It used to go up this hill right here and go around and come back down. But then we decided that if we just, you know, went straight and go faster. Funny you mentioned that, Granddad. It would be faster. <laughs> if you chose to put your foot down. Yeah, that barn over there, you know, it, it, it only took us three days to put that up because we got the local Amish to come in and help us out with it. They're very friendly now, do, you get do, to know them. Do country kids get taken into the country, you know, local museum like city kids do? We get taken to a smaller country town's museum. <laughs> so it's like, oh, we'll go out to Tinger and we'll see the Jelly Bean Crystal Museum or something. <laughs> you know, like, oh, yeah. oh, we'll go to Emmerville and see the history of gold mining, <laughs> you know, tin mining in Emmerville, you know. Did you do that, Richard? Did you go to museums or are you just fantasising about a perfect childhood? No, I certainly, I, I, well, I didn't have any holidays because I had a weird family, but, but with my own children, I've certainly done that. I've certainly taken them to the third largest tree and I've certainly taken them to the little town where they have the scale model of, of the basilica in model in <laughs> marble built by some guy in 1923, gold donation, please. And I've certainly taken them to lots of, lots of small town museums where you go in and you pay $3 and there's, there's literally jam jars. Oh, look, mm. I mean, if, you, if, if I can put a plug in here for the Gleninus History House... Um, which is a great name for what is a museum, but they've decided to go with the sort of more Germanic history house, which I think is quite nice. Uh -uh. That has some extraordinary exhibits, one of which is the one that I always think about when I think of odd museums. It has this wall which is 
A History of Barbed Wire from the <laughs> Gleninus District, 1901 to 1922. And it's just all the different ways you could tie wire to make barbed wire. Well, they went from three-pronged to oh, six-pronged. Yeah. It really changed the way the life Oh, my yeah. God. Six-pronged changed everything. <laughs> everything. everything. A friend of mine, uh, Victoria Roberts, who you probably know, yes. who's a beautiful cartoonist, she had a cartoon published recently in The New Yorker. Mm. And just on this subject, you know how we all used to sit in the car and go, are we there yet? Are we there yet? It's COVID-related and it's a mother and a father sitting in the living room and the child just walks in and says, are we there yet? Isn't that <laughs> Are we there beautiful? yet? Yeah, we're all screaming, are we there yet? Yeah. But you can go to Adelaide, you can go to South Australia. Uh, now, news this week that Westpac is to pay the biggest fine in corporate history, $1.3 billion, after it failed to police, uh, to police money laundering properly and other crimes. When have other companies or their products really badly let you down in the way that Westpac let us all down? And what fines do you think would be appropriate? Gretel Colleen. Well, I really had to think hard about this. I think this is not good, this Westpac Mm -hmm. situation. My personal experience is pale to insignificance. I really tried to think what's let me down and hone in. And I think everything has... I think the manufacturers of Fanta for not producing a cheaper product which would have afforded the purchase of four cans. Bucket size would have been good. (laughs) Yeah. Yes, please go on. Oh, no, I was going to say a spurious fact of history which might bring your childhood love of Fanta into disrepute. Nazi Coke? Are you going to say Nazi Coke? Nazi Coke. A love of, it's the only can I've ever had. That's why I remember it. Oh, well. And I shared it. So what's Nazi Coke? It's Fanta. Yeah, Fanta. Fanta is Nazi Nazi Because Coca-Cola couldn't su- supply Coca-Cola to the German troops, so they made Fanta. <laughs> it means it's from Fantastischen. <laughs> is the, that right? Yeah, exactly. exactly right. So they made... Are you saying Gretel's father was a Nazi? <laughs> I'm not no. saying at all Gretel's Nazi. <laughs> no, we're not saying that at all. <laughs> Gretel's uh, father was a Nazi. This is the most depressing TGIF I've ever done. <laughs> but Coca-Cola, yeah, Coca-Cola was so American uh-huh. that they couldn't be okay. seen... To be doing business with the German soldiers. So they created Fanta. So they Fanta, created Fanta. Yeah. It's Nazi Coke. And then wow. years later, Gretel, Kalina, family, they all <laughs> loved just sipping down that Nazi cola <laughs> on their way to Yamba. That yeah. one time with one can. But yes, just let's the one time is enough. <laughs> really? What other corporations have let you down other than Coca Cola Amateur? <laughs> yes, I know. Um, Lotto? Yes. Yes. Port Douglas, all the pictures say the water's blue and it's not. How much are you finding them? Quite a lot. I haven't worked it out. I'm still depressed about the Nazi business. <laughs> I don't even want to talk anymore. And the other thing is hair appliances. And all the women know the end of that sentence is no hair appliance makes your hair look as good as it's meant to, mm. and it's mm. not meant to make you look like you've electrocuted yourself, but it always does. I think $1.4 billion would not be unreasonable. I think so. I'm too depressed to talk. <laughs> Carlo Ritchie. One can of Fanta in my whole life. You know, that, would, that would be enough for the Nuremberg trials. <laughs> <laughs> it's not even one can. It's a can. It's a quarter of a can. It's a quarter of a can. Your high horse. Doesn't matter how much of the can you drink. On I'm your sorry. high EK Holden horse. <laughs> Carlo Ritchie, what, how has the corporate world disappointed you during your life? Oh, look, I mean, there are all of the obvious uh, ones, you know, in terms of Apple that's been running a secret security state that I haven't been aware of, apparently, the entire time I've been using my phone. But um, Selling your information. Yeah, just just selling it willy-nilly. At the height of his horse, for instance. But (laughs) ignorance is not an excuse. 
Oh, well, <laughs> and so the turn- tables have turned full circle, Graham. <laughs> on purpose. Do go on. Um, I also, I struggled to think of it. I tried to think of the most recent company that I felt had wronged me, and I think it would be Sayo's, you know, Arnott's Biscuits. Um, you know, I feel like if you're making a cracker that is largely designed to have spreads put upon it, mm-hmm. and I know this is a very trivial uh, you know, angst to have. But if you have a, a cracker that's specifically designed for biscuits, you would think it wouldn't fracture yeah, at the, the yeah. merest point of pressure. Mm. Yeah. Um, really? And Why? I mean, I, I mean, I love a set. Well, just think because about it. Because you're putting butter you're on putting it. You're putting butter on it and just the act of spreading butter from the fridge. You well, could learn something from that about things that need to be treated delicately <laughs> because they're precious. Just say. Well, I guess I'll, I'll learn to treat every sale. <laughs> Sayo, Sayo, the guy, the guy, using Sayo as a guide to building Brazilian relationships by Colonel Colleen is being published this yeah. May. <laughs> Tommy, who's disappointed you in the corporate world as, but, as uh, Westpac I grew up with us? My father's greatest statement was uh, the biggest lie of this century is customer service. <laughs> and so anybody that claims that they give any sort of service to the customer is a lie. Um, and his small business was going great at yeah. the time. Is this your grandpa said this? No, my father. Right. Uh, no, my father who worked in IT before it was IT. Back what? when they just called it computer stuff. Before there was money in it. <laughs> T. He actually worked, uh, my dad worked, uh, his most famous, not famous job, but he worked with one of the very first implementations of the ATM. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. The banking what was software. that? A teller. <laughs> yeah. Very short fellow in a wall. <laughs> he also played R2D2 in Star Wars. <laughs> it was really a natural step up. <laughs> what was the first incarnation? was his pin number for years. <laughs> he loved that gig. What What was the first ATM like? It was like a, it was like an ATM. They haven't really changed much. <laughs> okay. It was a digital pad. It featured one to zero. Uh-huh. Uh, you got to pick numbers, type them in, cash. Well, spit why out. isn't your dad a multimillionaire then? Why aren't you? Why don't you? Because dry- that's the whole. Because the banks let him down. He worked uh, for the bank. The bank held all the intellectual property. Right. Mm. He just, uh, you know, just an ideas man. And truthfully, he was just a middle manager that told guys what to do. <laughs> uh, he hilariously has worked in computers all of his life and knows nothing about computers and famously said, the personal computer will never take off. <laughs> <laughs> They're handy for business, but nobody will need them at home. Mind you, that is when they were the size yeah. of a room. Yeah. But service. Like, like one, here's a funny. I don't like naming people because I don't want to cause trouble out in the real world. But, you know, like, uh, you know, for example, Vodafone. <laughs> yes. I've been sending me a text saying, we got a great deal for you, Tommy. You're such a great customer. And I've been a customer with him for 20 years because I am loyal to a uh-huh. fault or B, can't be bothered filling out other forms. <laughs> it's hard to know which one of those it is. But they sent me things saying, you're such an awesome customer. we got a great new deal for you. Get a brand new iPhone. Get a great new deal. And I was like, yeah, I need that. And so boom, 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 I sent it in. Nothing. Two weeks, nothing. <sighs> nothing, nothing, nothing. And then they sent me another text. Don't you want a great new deal? We went through this. Mm. We've already discussed this, Vodafone. Did you give them money? No, no, I I texted why. (laughs) Oh, and that didn't clinch the deal. Look, I don't know how IT works. My dad never explained it. He said he wouldn't need it in the home market. Just post them a can of Nazi Coke and be done with it. Uh, One example, and I think they should be fined $1.7 trillion, which I will then invest in a better NBN, who has also let me down. (laughs) Exactly. Thank God it's Friday on your radio. Thank God it's We have Tommy Dean, Gretel Clean, and Carlo Ritchie. Now, a debate this week for Bell Shakespeare with the topic based on, li- from a, on a line from the Bard, of course. 
The line, we have seen better days. Now, Shakespeare is right about most things, of course. But is he right in saying the past was better than the present? Surely not. Tommy Dean. Absolutely, 100% he is right. So the uh, past was better than the now. The past is always better than the present, and I believe that the reason that that is the case is because we have had time to think about how great it was back then. You remember, with hindsight, you philosophize, uh, you put new wisdom over the top of what was happening then. You block out all the bad you things. You block out all the bad things. You know, it, it just focuses on what was good. The present is always a muddle of confusion and decision-making that you're never quite sure about. And then later, in the future, you can look back at this present because now it's the past in the future and work out why you did what you did. You can see how you made the right choice. But in the moment... Right now, this second, it is hard to know if you were doing the right thing or if this is even what it should be. Well, travel's a great example, isn't it? One, one thing we're not allowed to do at the moment, it's always better in either the memory or mm. in the anticipation. That's right. Doing it is terrible. terrible. Who wants to fly 15 hours? Yeah. With sore feet and customs. Los Angeles. And it's just, oh, it's terrible. It's terrible. Tommy Dean sticking up for the bard. Carlo, what about you? I, I'm going to take... I'm going to be in opposition, I guess, to Shakespeare. I mean... Um, <laughs> You know, not to... Shakespeare is an idiot. The yeah. Carlo Ritchie story. You heard it here first. You know? <laughs> are you sure that's the decision you want to make now? Yeah. Right you now, know. the second? Are you oh, sure I've... this is the hill you want to build on? I've read his books and you can barely understand a word he's saying. <laughs> he does <laughs> use some crazy words. Yeah. Then, you know, like, uh, I think that things are getting better. I mean, I'm a big fan of speculative and science fiction, you know, and, I, I you know, the works of Ursula Green, I think... I'm very... The works of, of Ursula Le Guin, for mm-hmm, example. Mm-hmm. And right. Were you not quite sure of how to say that? No, no, I just I just wanted to quickly slip it in for yeah, the fans, you know. <laughs> no, you know, I, I, I feel like things are constantly getting better, you know. I mean, there are always, obviously, dark times. I mean, right now... It certainly is a dark time, but, you know, you look at where society has come. I mean... Things aren't better for Ursula Le Guin. She's dead. No, that's true, but maybe she's out there somewhere in in her Hain complex. But what Uh, are you comparing this to, Carlo? Well, look, even if you look at Shakespeare's time, you know, uh, look at the rights of the individual or... Um, you know, if you're part of the LGBT community or if you're a person of colour, you know, things are constantly better. It's, I think, easy to go back in time and say, oh, things were better But in the simpler. past you could have got Nazi Coke fresh off the production line. <laughs> That's true. I could have got a fresh, <laughs> sweet Nazi cola. We also uh, have the highest rate of anxiety and depression that's ever been documented. That's true. So we may have these and they come and go, mm. the ones that you're talking about. That's true. And some I... would say that it's a small step and then someone else or someone else might mention the Uyghur. So which side are you on, Gretel? You the... Is the past better than the present? Well, it's not the present. It's the future that worries me mm-hmm. because, uh, sorry, Carlo, but you are younger and <laughs> you should have been born younger because we had a much better time. <laughs> we just had a much better time. But I've, I've finished this book, which is part of my COVID thing, and one of the characters is talking, give pay <laughs> for something with a cheque. And the guy who receives the cheque is like, what is this? Uh, yeah. What What is this? It's a piece of paper. Are you joking? And the character realises... Actually, we that's how we used to do business. You'd just write on this piece of paper and give it to someone and not only did you do it domestically, the whole globe worked on these exchanges. But it was, labor- it was laborious and you had to take the cheque to the bank and the bank was only open for about half an hour a day and you had to rush down <laughs> there and be there. But you would be there at 3.35 and the door was closed. And, and there were heaps of jokes about getting stuck behind a guy at the grocery store that was paying by cheque <laughs> in the front. No, it's true, but when I was looking at this and the character was exploring it and... 
we, we do romanticise about smoking on planes and where our parents used to drive drunk and we ate gluten and kids made their own firecrackers and you'd blow each other up. And we call that the good old days. Mm. Like it was the most, because I guess... It we, was we, the good old days. Remember when men played women and they knew what those characters were about? <laughs> Wait because a they were Could looking you? in from what? the outside, which is how theater is supposed to view the subject of its discussion. I thought and you then meant the it's minute sport. they let women play women, it got confusing. Because <laughs> nobody understands them. So Shakespeare, let's go back to That's Shakespeare, scary, where, the, where, the, where the men played everything. Uh, well, thank God it's Friday. Tommy Dean, Gretel Clean and Carlo Ritchie. We are, you re- are you ready? Are you ready for the Wheel of Death? Oh, God, yes. those okay, three so, words. So, I hope fans so on the list- board. Listeners have thrown in all these topics uh, this afternoon via the text uh, for Carlo Ritchie to take on the Wheel of Death. Today's topics are doorknobs, broken TV, blue tack, ferrets, finishing school, the phrase, I wish I had learned, dot, dot, dot. I hope he doesn't get that one. Velcro. <laughs> it's too good. Cockatoos, seeds, jigsaw, budget holiday, blasted bindies. You know, like nope, bindi eyes. Mm-hmm. get that either. Uh, skew whiff. Yeah, That's pretty I good. I hope he gets that. Uh, and building kayaks. Which Luckily, ones fill you full of fear? No, actually, none of them, Richard. All of them happen to be things that I'm an expert on, which is actually very <laughs> lucky and serendipitous. It feels the like you made some thing. calls earlier. <laughs> How lucky is Carla? Round and round and round it goes. All those. Skew Where it stops, no one knows. The Tay's topic is Velcro. Velcro. Oh, it's like the wheel just stuck there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, hello everybody. My name is Michael Moultons and I'm actually the inventor of Velcro. Um, it's great to be here on the show and talk about something that I'm very passionate about. And people often say to me, Michael, why did you invent Velcro? And I have to tell you a little funny story about my childhood. You see, I grew up in a town that only believed in a simple thing of string. It was called Peltisat. And in Peltisat, all we had was a string factory. Everything was made with string. A can would be sealed with string. A bucket <laughs> would be carried with a string. A man would be wrapped not in clothes, but in string. <laughs> Everything was string where I grew up. And I used to look at this at a child and I would say, one day, Michal, you will go to a place where nothing is string. Everything is easy to open and close, but also still secure. <laughs> <laughs> And so it was that when I was 16, I ran away from my parents' house made of string, for a wolf was coming. And uh, when a wolf comes to a house of string, it is a terrible mess. Was the wolf made of string? Oh, yes. (laughs) I cannot stress enough, (laughs) Everything in my town was made of string. I myself am three-quarters string, because my mother came from Belgium. Anyway, I was 16 and I ran away. And I didn't get very far because my shoes easily wore on the hard ground. They were made of string, you see. (laughs) And when I got to the next village, it was amazing. No string anywhere except on tiny parcels. And as I looked upon those parcels, I saw that every parcel had a tongue at the end. I don't mean like a tongue in the mouth or a tongue of string, which is a common phrase from my town, (laughs) which I think we'll all agree makes perfect sense. (laughs) And I saw that the paper was folded over one another, but held together with this string. And I began to think, Mia, what if the two pieces of paper stuck to each other and not being held by a third party? 
the third party idea came to me because of the government system of my hometown. <laughs> and so I set about the making of what I would eventually call Wilkhoglichartamatas. <laughs> but eventually I changed the name to Sticky Stack. <laughs> and again, eventually I had to change that as well. And the product that became was Velcro. The idea was simple. Two halves would meet in the middle, just like two friends from my old town used to meet and kiss right on the mouth. It was a pretty strange town to grow up in. <laughs> Sexually progressive, yes, but politically progressive, no. How I wished for that sweet third party. <laughs> and so Velcro was created. Two tongues meeting in the middle, stuck together forever. Like two lovers meeting on a cold, cold day, licking a pole together. <laughs> and the name Velcro, well, I guess it kind of stuck. Carlo Ritchie on Velcro, does he die? Does he no, die? He no, lives. he lives. Oh, thank it's God. Superb. Thank Very you. good. I really like that. Because I've got two lines made completely of string ready to devour yeah. him, but he might have unraveled. What's his name? Uh, well, I almost immediately Michael? forget Michael? it. It was Michael, but I think it became Michal. It did become Michal. I like him much better than you. He seems... <laughs> really? I, I really wronged you with that Nazi coke line, didn't I, Gretel? <laughs> what was the town called? <laughs> I think it was called Presovet, maybe? No, it had another syllable, I think. Oh, I don't know, but real-life Velcro was, you know, Nazi zippers. <laughs> If your yeah. mother was from Belgium and your father was from Stringtown, why weren't you half string? No, why were you three quarters she string? She was still half string. <laughs> she was part of the expat community of string living yeah. in Belgium. I thought there'd be an answer to that. <laughs> uh, Tommy Dean, Gretel Galeen and Carlo Ritchie are here on Thank God It's Friday. Now, some businesses are so desperate for people to return to work on site, they're offering perks, like uh, apparently one company's offering free laundromat service to tempt people out of their home office. They uh, offer it on Mondays and Fridays, the two most difficult days to get people to come in. How could you make workplaces so appealing that people would be happy to return? Gretel Clean. Is this serious? Yeah, they're doing it around the world, yeah. A laundromat? The laundromat service has been tried. Free lunch has been tried. Oh, well, uh, Friday that's... drinks has been tried. All sorts of things have oh, been tried. Oh, now you're hitting the nail on the head. <laughs> the laundromat, I'm just imagining everyone carting in the big sack of mm. laundry mm. and then being totally distracted. Um, so you I bring think... it in on Friday and then they give it back to you on the Monday. So it forces you to come in on those two yes. days where no one wants to come in. And then serious? it's nude orgy weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Corporate bonding time. But it doesn't. Well, first of all, what this COVID experience has revealed to us is that some people really, really love going to work. Usually they're people in unhappy relationships, but they do really love being in there, don't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never worked in an office except I was in here once for two weeks, three hours a day. So I don't really know, but I do know if there were hotter people around... I would have come in. That more. was not your experience at 702 ABC Sydney. I think you were at the desk next to me. <laughs> I mean, you're hotter now than you were then, Well, of that's hurtful. That's yeah. hurtful. That's yeah. hurtful to me. Mm. Well, what does it take? I remember when we used to perform in the pubs and free beer just got everybody in. Remember that band called Free Beer? <laughs> Put that on the board outside the pub and the place would be full. Yeah. Um, how do you think you can get – because the, the companies want people to come in, actually, most of the time. How, Carlo, how can they – I mean, it, I really did rack my brain about this little one. I mean, um, I am also in that uh, very charmed perspective. I've never had to work in an office. Um, and I thought maybe, maybe you could just have a little, a little pub in the in the office, 
You know, just a, a little tiny part. Yeah. Does this idea emerge from the one job you did have was working in a brewery? Look, and, you know, if that particular pub served the beer that I sold, so be it, Richard. But <laughs> well, why don't we move the office into the pub rather than moving the pub into the office? Totally, and maybe even get people to start working from home and just going to their own pubs of choice. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah, and, and that's And just the commute in during Zoom. Yeah. What about all that? So, you know, half the, they have ping-pong tables, don't they? Did you, did you find those appealing? Half of Silicon Valley have, you know, they've got the ping Ping pong table, and they've got the the bean bags, but and they've no got one the... uses them. Yeah, see, I've often thought, yeah, exactly. Like I've often felt like the more cool things that an office has, like if it has a ping pong table and a foosball table and some video games, the harder those people are being made to work. You know, it's like, oh, why don't you come here and just work? And there's a there's a ping pong table. You can use that anytime you like, and you're going to work twelve hours mm-hmm. a day, seven days a week. So you see a ping pong table, see it as a sign of oppression. Yeah, get yeah. out of there, get and out. And give of there. them toys like they're at kindy. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And color schemes like that too. I do wonder, like, there's there's talks now of you know, can you make offices better for people's backs and things? You know, so that to get to the photocopy, you have to go up a stairs, and you know to. Uh, go to an office room, you have to answer We've got a photocopy through. like that. To make it work, you have to scream up and jump up and down, rip out all your hair, <laughs> yeah, become yeah. really emotionally distraught, and then half an hour later, it might work. And then have... answer an old man's questions three, you know. <laughs> but Richard, have you got fitter just to divert a little bit mm. that you're forcing us to stand up? Have you got fitter as a result of doing this? Well, I'm only doing it for you, Gretel, because I thought, you know, you, after so all that, that consumption no. of Nazi Coke when you were young. That'd be no. Okay. So the suffering is not worth it. Tommy, how are you going to get people to come back to the office? I'm not going to get them back. I don't know that they should want to go back. I find it curious that the main ideas they have are bringing the things from home into the office. We Mm. have that already. How can they lure us back to the office with the things we're doing quite fine with at home? Yeah, you have to offer what you're yeah. not getting. Yeah. Mm. And I think, I think first off, maybe give people actual offices. I think the open plan. Ah, uh, yeah. Good idea. And, mm. and then, maybe if you're going to have open plan, then just have like nonstop yum cha ladies. <laughs> <laughs> just up and down the whole time. Because that would be, I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have to eat that much. You'd be like, oh, would you like, no, I don't want that. Just shake them <laughs> off. But it would like take you out of your space yeah. a little bit. You know, I'm trying really hard to get this form filled in <laughs> that the boss needs. And ooh, pork rolls. <laughs> yeah, I'll have one of those. I love Love Tommy's having never worked a day's work in his life, trying to imagine what office workers do. You fill in a form, right? You guys sit well, at a like big table, entry. clackety 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 clack, clackety 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 clack, and like and then like you know for fun, you know maybe have like colorblind sushi day, you know where you don't know like the like the plates are painted in like a special that makes everybody understand how difficult it is to be colorblind. So mm. You have to eat sushi and then hope when you check out you have enough money. <laughs> how exciting would that be at lunch? Oh yeah, but yeah. You know... oh, I thought I got the three cheap plates. Oops. But, you know, the terrace here in this building is the Dot Strong Terrace, mm-hmm. and she was the equivalent of the Yumcha lady. She was the tea lady. she was the yeah, tea lady yeah. for 200 years here, wasn't she? Walking yeah, well, they bring, the they, they bring them back in some offices. Are to they? Ma- yeah, they are, because of COVID, because they don't want people going in the lifts to the coffee shop on the ground floor, so they're bringing the coffee to you, so you don't have to go in the hmm. lift. Well, that's an incentive. There's all the silver lining of COVID. It's marvellous. And also, yeah, and I, yeah. I just got this idea for movies, because, uh, like, I, uh, clearly I've never worked in an office. Um, but I've been watching a lot of movies on Netflix, <laughs> and I feel, from a production point of view, you need to let everybody smoke again. Because <laughs> yeah. in the movies, man, they were smoking all the time, and they got stuff done. Yeah. They were interrogating people, getting confessions. They were like in ad agencies, just whacking out copy after copy. They were, it just got done. We used to smoke our heads off. 
Heads off. Sydney Morning Herald office, smoke our heads off. Uh, and the, this was the time when the, the thing was big enough that there would be a Christmas party. And, uh, and your partners would come to the Christmas party, you'd be in a pub and you'd do a little show. Little show where you sent up your bosses and even the middle managers got sent up. I was a middle man. I was the news editor, and there was lovely. And the young man sending me up, that was lovely, and sending up how bad tempered I was. And oh, that was lovely. And then as we left, Deborah said, "When you know when the young man was sending up how bad tempered you were, why was he smoking as he did that? Because I told her I'd given up five years <laughs> oh, before." No. Couldn't she smell your clothing? No, she because just everybody thought else I, smoked. She just thought ah. that's what I smelled like. That was the best part is that everybody smelled like smoke because it was just smoke everywhere. Mm. So anybody could smoke. You, or couldn't, be smoke. Co- you couldn't be copped for it. Mm. So good. And there was never a fire. I don't know how they controlled it. Yeah. But they, like they, people had real offices and they smoked. Smoked their heads off. Only the mm. men did just to let you know. No, not true. Oh, no, it's mostly the men because, true. you know, we knew better than to hire women. They were distractions. <laughs> <laughs> the seductive lures of the office. <laughs> Thank God it's Friday. There's only one woman here. Tommy Dean, Gretel Clean, and Carlo Ricci uh, playing a woman. with us. Uh, now, new research reveals that Sydney, this is weird, Sydney siders spend more time cleaning, ironing, and washing up than any other major Australian city, with one in three spending more than three hours a week vacuuming and dusting. What's your attitude to housework, and why do you think we do more of it in Sydney than anywhere else? Tommy, what do you think about the housework? Look, I've been on record as saying this. Me, personally, I mostly do housework because my wife is at home and I have to look busy. It is the greatest way to keep your life organized. Just do some housework. Towels constantly being cycled through the laundry. (laughs) Vacuuming. I love vacuuming. You know what I like vacuuming? Is she at home because of COVID working? Is that why she's at home? Yeah, yeah, because I, offer, I offered all the things that she wanted in an office, <laughs> which was, you know, full laundry, laundry service, <laughs> three meals a day. Ping pong table. Ping pong table. <laughs> Pork buns. Pork buns while on demand, uh, nonstop bakery products. Just smoking all the time. All the time smoking. <laughs> all the time smoking. I have an outdoor office. <laughs> but how do you find enough towels to wash so that, so, so that she's impressed? Oh, because tea towels. Huh. Tea towels, man. I, the secret is, like, just buy 100 of them. <laughs> They're so cheap. Like, I use tea towels like most people use serviettes. Yeah. You know, just pull one out of the drawer, whack. You've got to cover up a loaf of bread I'm baking. Time to bake the loaf. Oop, towel in the laundry. And then when she walks in the room, the washing machine is always going, always so going. she thinks, gee, that Tommy's so busy. busy. And then I'm out hanging stuff up. It's <laughs> yeah. like sewing crops. Vacuuming. <laughs> I love vacuuming. Uh, my favorite is to, um, you know, when you find stuff, that excitement of vacuuming. It's not just the, the clear space that you create, but occasionally you pick up like a rock or something, and then in the vacuum that we have, it rattles around. Hmm. Oh, yeah. And then what happens? That's just so exciting. Because <laughs> <laughs> depending on how it's clacking and how often it's hitting back and forth, it might remind me of a song I haven't thought of in years. <laughs> And then I have a lovely auditory memory in my head of a song that I used to dance to in the 80s. Is that why they call it rock and roll? Rock and roll, yes. yes. It's still rock and roll to me. I just love the picture of you standing in the middle of your living room just running the vacuum over the same part of the earth, Come just right reminiscing. There, right yeah, there. That's the track. I'm that's seeing Freddie track. Mercury. I don't really dance. More of a, more of an internal dance. You know that one? I want to break free and he's doing the vacuum cleaning. Oh, right. Is that yeah. right? Very oh. Everybody listening knew that. Yeah, dressed in drag. Do you dress in drag? Well, what is drag these days? <laughs> I call it preparing for my Shakespeare audition. 
<laughs> Carlo, are you into Sydney size of doing more housework than anybody else? Apparently, I don't know why. Well, look, you know, I I just recently moved to Katoomba um, in the uh, the Blue Mountains, the mm. Sydney of the East, um, and. Uh, Sydney of the West, I yeah, Sydney West. of the hills. Isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, I see the world as a, as a sphere. Oh, you know, that's um, weird because yeah. I, so I don't that, know if you know my people. That's the very, but... very far east. You go all the way around. <laughs> um, no, and I, I honestly, I feel like I clean a little bit less in the Blue Mountains. And a big thing for for me in Sydney was I couldn't get over just there's a kind of very black film mm-hmm. of exhaust fumes that no, just seems to build up on everything. That's just Tommy smoking outside the front gate. <laughs> oh, that, is, that explains yeah. so much. Was that much. in Sydney? And getting that stuff was done. In, yeah, when I lived in Sydney, I well, had, Where did you live? I lived in Redfern. I had a little one-bedroom flat. By um, the train tracks. It actually was by the train yeah. tracks. Yeah. You know yeah. that Blues Brothers film? Yeah. That's Carla. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and I just used to constantly find that everything built up this sort of film of, mm. uh, of street exhaust, um, you know, and, and bad memories. Um, and you're just constantly cleaning. If you wait five years, it doesn't get worse. Quint, that- Quint and Crisp, yeah, true. Just yeah. what dries out. And- it just, just, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a physics thing, Carla. You wouldn't <laughs> yeah. understand. It just reaches its maximum. Yeah, right. Yeah, no, well, I should have waited instead of cleaning it constantly. <laughs> but you've got a point, though. That part of the point is, and I kind of alluded to it in the vacuuming, is you want it to build up because then when you clean it, it has clearly been yeah. cleaned. Yeah. Mm. Like I just recently discovered a product that degreases near, and so I've degreased all the cupboard doors uh, which I had thought we, I, I always wondered, why did we choose such a weird, unfocused white? <laughs> and then I cleaned them, and now I can't go in the kitchen. It's so bright. Yeah. They mm. were greasy? Yeah, did, you know, I, you know I, I deep fry stuff because that's how America cooks. What, yeah. what did yeah. you imagine the previous paint color was, was called when you bought it? Oh, no, we, 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 we put it in. Mm. But it's just been so long, I forgot that we had chosen white. <laughs> <laughs> and it sort of had this, you know, and, we, and the way that yeah, we decked we must it, you know, we had a lot of cobwebs. yellow. <laughs> That's right. Eggshell be nice. Oh, well, <laughs> now we all want to know what the secret product is. Presumably it's not vinegar and bicarb. No, it's no, it's, it's some, it's some I, don't, I couldn't tell you the name of it. It's something that smells of orange. It's made of citrus and, and universal pain. It's just it literally grease, just whoosh, just whoosh. Like it's, uh, under, I did underneath the hood. You'd have to reach to bring the extraction hood open, and your finger yeah. would kind of stick. Mm. It's called strike. Isn't it? Kind of, I think I've seen that one. Yeah. It's orange. It's orange. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. I, we got that one, Carlo. Hey, since you've moved to this uh, sunny uplands called the Blue Mountains, life is good, is it? Oh, it's absolutely the best. One of the best decisions I made, you know. Um, no street, more cleaning. No more cleaning. Street after street of friendly, friendly people. Did you fall in love up there? No, no. I fell in love down here, but um, <gasps> took it. Took, Do you go on? Took the love up to the mountains. Oh, you know? did you good? Yeah, you got to You got to carry that said, love with you. I've got a house made of <laughs> <Yeah>. string. Follow me to the woods. And now you're... Well, that's nice. I do want to hear more. Yes, and I'll just jump on the train. Where, where are we going? It doesn't matter. Um, but we're going to stay there forever. <laughs> Very trusting. That's nice. Gretel, uh, are you into the cleaning? Oh, look, I, first of all, I think women probably filled out this form because statistically we do know that women are still doing most of the cleaning. That's true. There's a light in Sydney that is stronger than it is in Melbourne. And mm. I think that's why we have to clean more because uh, we can, we see, can the dirt. see it. It's yeah. a lot brighter. We can see it. And personally... That's yes, your mist in the Blue Mountains. He's living in filth that doesn't know it. <laughs> you probably have, live in a shaded area. Yeah, I'm, I'm currently wearing a brown shirt here in the studio and, and <laughs> I thought it was white when I put it on this morning. In there you go. Don't stand in Tommy's kitchen. Well, there's also a great deal <laughs> more sunshine. Not just the light, but the sunshine. So I imagine that just like makes us our skin burn off and so there's just that much more skin dust 
building up all over the place. Well, that's a nice thought. And in my <laughs> You know that's what dust is. Dust I'm is 90% house, skin. I'm very house proud, and I always try to make it really clean, but I have friends who are galoots. I finished doing some new kitchen. I thought, oh, mm. I'll get colours like Tommy's and, and got some new mm-hmm. cupboard doors and mm-hmm. things on there and some new lights mm-hmm. and had some friends over to celebrate and one of them opened up the bottle of champagne and the cork went straight into the new light and smashed it. Oh, oh I tell you what. And I they, tell you what, those champagne companies, they've got a lot to answer one, for. 1. 1.4 or 1.5 billion? I think 1.5 billion. I think that's yeah. wise. <laughs> uh, winners and losers, who were they, Gretel Colleen? Oh, okay. Oh, the loser is the word um. This is really interesting. Nobody says um anymore. And you know what they say? Keep your ears out, everybody. Mm. What they say instead is you know. You know. So keep your ears out. So the loser is um, the winner is you know. <laughs> Carlo, Richie, oh, um, what, what's your answer? Uh, I reckon a uh, big winner this week is country New South Wales. That's a huge boost in tourism. People yeah. just coming over the places that they've never mm. been. Um, I think Blaney's can expect probably a big influx of people with, with the their snow. snow. Yeah. Yeah. The Snowman Festival. They just invented it. Yeah. They're going to have it very soon. <laughs> yeah. Go up to Glen, get yourself some haggis and chips. Oh, get some haggis and chips. Take it down to Yamba, though, before you eat it. It'll be very cold. Um, and then, yeah. and the loser is also regional New South Wales because a lot more people coming around now, you know. I tell you, just stinking up with their big city ways. You don't and, like them, do you? Oh, you don't really like when them. When those flatlanders come up to the mountains, I tell you what, it does. Boils my blood. You I know I hinted on Monty Python sketch. We went to a regional town recently on a little visit, and they had a cheese shop, and then it had one cheese. And we're like, we pulled over specifically uh-huh. to see what sort of exotic yeah. home cheeses well, this small town does. Well, not- we got cheddar. And cheddar. And we got this brie. It's not the cheeses <laughs> shop, though, you know. It's the cheese it's, it's shop. It's very specific. It was very specific. <laughs> if they'd have meant plural, they'd have said plural, <laughs> Tommy. Uh, winners and losers. Tommy Dean. Uh, I think the big winner is uh, democracy uh, <laughs> because we're really focusing on it at the moment. We've taken it for granted for so long, and it's so nice to say goodbye to it right at the last seconds in America. So good luck to that. And I thought the loser was information. I'm really quite surprised at how little Melbourne politicians seem to know about what is going on. <laughs> In Melbourne. It's been yeah. a really weird inquiry to watch. The Premier someone... said he didn't know who uh, decided. Know. Yeah, I don't know. Did you, Mr. and Mrs. Uh, Minister of Health, know that? No, I didn't know. I just didn't know. Did they tell you? No one thought to tell me. No, it's always to the best of my memory. No, no, yeah. no. To the best of my recollection. But I don't know. I yeah. don't know. Somebody just came in and was smoking all the time and just kept throwing decisions <laughs> around while they ate all the time. See, that's what I mean. Buns. If they had that excuse, they'd go, look, we had a big cigarette party, then Jane brought in a carrot cake, and then somebody said inappropriate stuff to Jane, and we ate the cake. And I There's can't only... remember. Somewhere along there we said, get security guards. <laughs> There's only one way to cut that smoke. It's to have some fizzy drink. What do you want? Nazi <laughs> Coke. Please hang Tommy Dean, Gretel Clean, and Carlo Ritchie next week. Uh, we will have lots here on Drive, including, uh, well, uh, Colin Buchanan, Tommy Dean and Rebecca De Unamuno. Music from Fanny Lumsden. I'm Richard Glover. Thank God it's Friday.